Psychological meaning. We're gonna dive deep into your inner world, so you can discover where and how you need to grow. I'm your host, Jen, a licensed professional counselor, MDiv earner, and all-around curious soul. My mythical lawyers want me to remind you that all the information in this podcast is most definitely not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. If you enjoy this podcast do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Okay, enough of that business. Let's dive in. It was but yesterday that we met in a dream. But now our sleep has fled and our dream is over and it is no longer dawn. In our 15th and final episode of the season, we are attempting to wrap things up, allowing ourselves to discover that the apocalypse is never, ever needily and tidily wrapped up. Twenty twenty has been I don't even know if I can say it's been a year feels like a decade. My sense of time is all warped. I was explaining to my husband the other day, I was telling him about the episode where we talk about Frank and I was thinking about Frank used to do this thing where he would walk up to the wall with a pen and he would like, like put a tiny little dot on the wall and he'd walk away and he'd say something like, what is time? And I've been thinking a lot about that this year. Like, what is time? Like, it's such a construct, and it's a construct that does not always make sense. 2020 has been a really strange time. I have this thing where I like to pretend that even-numbered years are somehow going to be better than odd-numbered years. I don't really know why. I was born, married, and have mostly had major life events happen on odd-numbered years. And I'm not going to tell you those years because that's all like bank security question shit. 2020, though, it, it's such a strange time to be living. I, I'm sure you guys are sick of it by now, but it is an unprecedented time. It feels in some ways like all of history is happening right now. And it's like an amusement park of history, like, but more terrifying than that. Sort of like those horror haunted houses that are really like just torture chambers that you can pay to spend time in and highly abusive. That's sort of what 2020 feels like. It was supposed to be the beginning of a new decade. And instead, it feels like the end of everything. Or maybe feels like rewinding back to the beginning of all of these things that we had thought we had worked out. When I was 12, 
reading Cahil Gabrine, who I quoted to you at the top of the hour, reading Gabrine in secret, reading the Bible with curiosity, and determined to be perfect at everything, life seemed agonizingly hard and so beautiful. There were moments, and I don't know if it was just the brain chemistry of puberty, but there were moments where the world was was painfully beautiful. The sky would be so blue. The air would smell so crisp. I remember about that time, it might have been a year before, a year after, where we went apple picking near my dad's work. And it was like a just a perfect day. Perfect day where the temperature was just right, the apples, you could smell their sweetness as you plucked them off the tree, and life seemed really good. It wasn't. I have alluded to it before, I think, I suppose. It may have even said it out loud to you all. I grew up in a cult. I grew up in a cult that wouldn't have called itself a cult. That would be probably offended to hear me call it a cult now. And it, it wasn't, wasn't as sexy or as, I don't know, HBO special worthy as most of the cults that we talk about. There was no Kool-Aid. There was no flight to South America. There were no matching sneakers waiting for the aliens to come and beam us up. There was no direct plan to suicide. The people that I grew up in, the, I hesitate to call them adults because in so many ways they, they were only adults in body, not always in mind and certainly not in emotions. But the people in charge, they would bristle at this uh, diagnosis of their community. There were many cults that they pointed to. The Catholic Church was one they particularly disliked, many of them having grown up Catholic, and they weren't lapsed, for sure. They were in full-fledged rebellion. I've been thinking a lot about cults lately because it, it feels like we all have been ushered into one. And I know there are many frames to view 2020 from, but this is my frame, and the apocalypse is my frame, and I'd, of course, be curious about yours. But in many ways, what I watch happening is a replication of, of things I've lived before. Not exactly but the rhythms feel so much the same. When I was 12, I was homeschooled. And it's been interesting to watch parents bring their children home and find a variety of ways to teach them, to protect them from, from the disease. The disease for me growing up wasn't COVID. It was sin. Was original sin, and not just original sin, but original sin always gets layered over with sex and eroticism. 
Maybe it's because the early Christians knew sex would sell and uh, they needed to sell their religion so they would not die buried in the catacombs. Although obviously they died, got buried in the catacombs. Let me back up. I want to walk you through, in some ways, not the Disney World adventure I went on when I was 12 or 13, but in more concretely, the ways I see my own life experience paralleled in the midst of all that's happening. Because I grew up surrounded by narcissists who were far too wounded to see, perhaps even to care, how they damaged others through their own woundedness. I I imagine most of you who are listening are not part of the 41% who still approve of President Trump. It's still baffling to me. Who are the 41%? What has happened to them that they long to have a leader wound and hurt others so viscerally? so viciously. What must be going on inside of them? I've wondered for a long time what's going on inside of narcissists. It is not a healthy endeavor, for sure. But there is this wounding that happens again and again, and it it seems to me some do it with glee, and some do it with horror. And I have to imagine most of the 41% are those, I I think, who wound with glee or wish to wound with glee. I'm recording this the morning after the night of the first debate. I didn't watch it. I, I worked on other things. I worked on putting together the notes so I could talk to you all today. And my husband came down and he listened to just a moment of it where Trump shouted over Biden as Biden was speaking. And it's the only part of the debate I heard and it's the only part I planned to hear. And the moderator interjected and he said something that felt so familiar to me. He said to Biden, please let the Mr. President speak. Please let the president speak, I think is how he said it. I grew up with those who violated all of the boundaries, pushed all of the rules, spoke over others, wanted to dominate. That those who were supposed to be in charge, who were supposed to be the moderators, who were supposed to be the ones that held the boundaries, enforced the rules, too often would say to me and to others, let the others speak. And I was sort of like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's my turn. It's supposed to be my turn to speak. It's supposed to be my turn to explain or to talk or just to be heard. Too often, narcissism, it it doesn't just inflate. It seeks up to take every little part of the room. It wants to own everything because it's so scared inside it has nothing. And that's the other thing about narcissism that perhaps you don't know unless you've been there. 
that you move to reach inside. You hear the proclamation of upset or woundedness or anger or whatever the feeling might be. And you move to reach in to feel the feeling. And all you're left is air, just emptiness. There's no, there's no grasp. There's no groundedness in the feeling. It's all just a mirage, which is baffling. It's overwhelming and confusing, and you end up feeling like you're the crazy one. And what my Facebook feed said last night and into this morning, Trump was abusing Biden, and he was abusing Chris Wallace, the moderator. And that all is true, and he stands as the figure who abuses an entire nation And for those who have likely been abused but want to continue to be the abusers, who want to seek their vengeance, they are standing by. White supremacy has always been with us, so it seems. And Trump, in a really bizarre way, has brought it to light in ways that make it so much clearer to see. Filling many of us with the desire to disavow, to say that we're not part of that basket of deplorables, that we're not part of the 41%. But we are. That's the trickiest part, because we're all in this weird family together that whether we choose it or not, we're connected. Narcissists have ruled many things for much of my life. And what I've discovered is that in order to make it through, in order to take the next steps, in order to to succeed, to grow to survive, to protect yourself from the trauma they long to take from inside of them and inflict it and amplify it onto others. Sometimes we have to walk away. And I don't necessarily mean that you all should be getting your passports and moving to Canada, though perhaps some of you will wish to do that. It's more about holding yourself and seeing what is, acknowledging the reality, acknowledging even the parts of it you may hold in yourself, the tendencies to move towards feeling like you're the victim, the tendency to want to seek and take up as much space as possible. We all have some narcissism in us. It's not generally sociopathic, and and if we are going to get through this, we must do our own work. The plague that I hid away from growing up wasn't COVID, and it wasn't narcissism, although I wish I could have hid away from the narcissism. It it was, in many ways, the seed 
of all that I see playing out right now. It was the seed of what we called original sin. And sin... Sin was important, and actually I think sin is still such an important concept to understand the humanness, the flaw, the ache, the primal. We hid away from it even when we reveled in it, as I watch so many of Trump's supporters revel in it now, and actually watch so many people who long for Biden to to rip Trump's throat out. It's this primal desire for vengeance, which literally is the whole book of Revelation. Vengeance. God will pour these bowls over my enemies. God will destroy them. God will rip them limb to limb. He will vivisect them. I'm not sure if I said that right, but he will cut them methodically in parts. The sin exists in all of us, and it's tricky to figure out what is the difference between colluding with what is happening and what is replicating what is happening just under a different banner. I don't envy any of the leaders in charge for how they will choose to move forward. Original sin, sin in general, it wasn't COVID and you couldn't catch it from a sneeze, but growing up, it felt like it was transmitted through the blood. It coded our genetics as concretely as my genetics gave me my poor eyesight or my high cholesterol. And there was no escaping it. Lifestyle changes could forestall the more disastrous consequences. They could not eliminate it. You had to accept, you still do, that we have the dark inside. Like I said in the very first episode, the apocalypse continues to live in us. The war lives in us. And that's the point. We so often want to cast the other as the villain. And maybe they are. But the world is not so binary. It's not so two-dimensional. I know I'm rambling a little bit. I think, I think today I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling sad for the ways this year just feels like wounding upon wounding upon wounding. I feel sad for how we hurt each other. And it's easy for me to want to blame that on, on the archetypes of what and who exists in power. 
for the Supreme Court Justice nominee who wants to erase so much of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg stood for and fought for and advocated and wrote. And yet, there's hundreds of judges who were installed. And I, I feel bad and sad and all sorts of things about how Trump abused Biden, made fun of him, spoke over him, uh, played at this alpha role. And yet, I know those experiences in the micro, and I think you do too. We all do. Politics, religion, fame, all of this is just a projection. It's just a, a stage play that we watch our own shit get played out. And I sit with that 41%, and I guess that number fluctuates every day. 41%. Are for this. And if I sat with them, they would be appalled at, I don't know, the 49% or whatever the numbers on this side are. They'd be appalled at that. And as horrified in some of the things I feel as they do, or maybe that's projection too. Maybe they wouldn't be so horrified. Maybe they wouldn't feel it so deeply. Maybe they'd feel it simply. Maybe it would be easy to dismiss me and all my complexity. It's crazy making. And I grew up surrounded by crazy. I was told that the crazy wasn't crazy, it was reality. And I guess in some ways it was. It was our own small reality. But it wasn't based on anything other than others' <laughs> delusional constructs that they needed to be able to survive with all the shit inside. There was no consensual reality for me where I or we could seek to make sense of how everyone else seemed to live compared to how we lived. There was no attunement or... <laughs> Maybe that's not true. There was no attunement to me. I was not attuned to, or at least not well attuned to. There was plenty of attuning to these very wounded leaders. Leaders of families, leaders of the church, leaders of this small evangelical community. No one was genuinely interested in my very profound differences from that community. Nobody was particularly encouraging. It wasn't time, after all, because I grew up in the apocalypse. There was the threat every day that Christ would come back, snatch you away, like those federal officers did of the protesters in Portland. Guess the promise was not that he was going to torture you in some dark laboratory somewhere. Actually, that's an, that was an interesting Freudian piece. I don't know why I said laboratory, but that wasn't the threat. The threat 
was that you would have to live somewhere worshipping a narcissist forever and ever, amen, and then watch him abuse a world full of people who hadn't found a way to pacify him, who hadn't subliminated their entire identity to please him. Even the God who was my first friend was painted as a narcissist. It is the projection of the God image, though. He becomes not only who we most want him to be, but who we most fear that we will be. I grew up in the apocalypse, and in 2020, it's starting to feel like the apocalypse is starting to grow up in me. It's it's as if there has been a seed of it, and I, I was given a, such a young version of the apocalypse, such a literal um, step-by-step version of it. And because it's so jarring, or perhaps because it just doesn't resonate for those who have not gone through trauma in the same way, it, it feels like a seed that gets left behind, that is given back to those who want to turn it into an instrument of hate, a weapon to massacre those unlike them. But not just unlike them, but who will not capitulate to trying to whitewash themselves into fitting into the dominant narrative. The apocalypse I'm, I'm finding in this year is so much more complicated. It's such a strange metaphor, but it reminds me in some ways of how my, one of the summers I came home from college, I can't remember which, I was so sick of how cluttered and overwhelming and messy and, and, Oh, just full of shit in my parents' house. I just wanted to be able to cook some meals while I was home that summer. And so I said to myself, I'll do something very nice. It wasn't for them. It was for me. But I I pretended like it was for them. And I cleaned out their kitchen. I took all of the spices, many older than me, and I piled them and I piled them. I piled this huge just mess of shit in the middle of their kitchen. And then I took such pleasure in putting each and every part that was out of date, that had lost its savor, that probably had ants crawling in it, or nobody was ever going to use that. And I threw it all away. I threw it all away and I moved to put it in the trash can to be taken out for the trash man. And my parents came home and were horrified by what I had done. And so they picked through the trash and they put most of it back on the shelf. That's what this year feels like to me. And the question remains, the call remains, The warning remains. 
Are you going to put all this shit back on the shelf? Are you going to hide it away? Are you going to pretend like it never happened? Because one way or the other, things are going to continue to change. The world has existed long enough that I know things will not always feel quite this dire. There will be a moment in time, maybe sooner rather than later, God, I hope sooner rather than later, that you no longer will feel crushed under the weight of this trauma. That you will be able, I guess if you wish, to forget it. To put the goddamn paprika back in the cabinet and never use it. It's hard to imagine right now. It's hard to imagine as the election looms, as the world seems to get darker and darker and darker. As the world, the climate threatens to implode, there becomes more hope that we will move away, whether to Canada or Europe or Mars. You think that you won't forget. You think that things will never get better. You revel in your hopelessness. You gotta wake the fuck up. The world won't always be this bad. And that, in some ways, is the problem. Because when you're in it, it is traumatizing, as awful, as humiliating as it can be. At least it's clear. Your shadow is on display for all to see. And some will revel in it. Celebrate that their racism, their hatred, gets a platform. And others will be so disgusted that they cannot even watch. It won't always be this clear. You will go back to fretting about things that you used to fret about. To trying to make sense of things that really only benefit you. Move away, if you wish. Move away if you have to. But don't go back to sleep. Don't pack the paprika on your journey away. The apocalypse wants you to remain awake. To remain awake to the brutality of being alive. The brutality and the beauty. Today, as I record, I have a warm cup of tea. The sky is blue in a way that hurts my eyes. And the world, as always, is brutal. I choose to stay in reality, and I hope. I try to stay awake to the beauty, too. It's a difficult paradox to hold. 
And I think until we learn to integrate it, apocalypse will continue to come. Apocalypse isn't here to destroy us. It wants to wake us up. And that's what I have to say. There's probably more to talk about. There's more to imagine. There's more to be curious about. And maybe I'll come back to talk about that. But truthfully, truthfully, I want to offer you not just a weekly sermon, but a path. A path that will empower you, enable you, I don't know, you pick a verb that begins with E. I want to offer you a path that you could follow, that you could awaken to your own depth, awaken more and more fully, and to chart it, to be curious about it, to embrace your shadow. I think in retrospect, that is what this first season has been about for me. Can I wake up to what has happened to me? And can I stay awake? Even when I so desire to go back to sleep. I'm grateful for you for going on this journey with me. I'm going to be taking a break for a little while, but I'll be excited to come back and introduce the next season and to dive deeper with you so you don't just stay awake, but you begin to find ways to integrate your shadow, integrate the primal, integrate the brutality with all of your beauty. I'll talk to you then. Dude, thank you so much for hanging out, exploring your depth, and I hope allowing yourself to be challenged to go deeper in understanding what makes you and your inner world tick. As always, I'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you'd like to collect all your podcasts. Gaining value, or you just really like the podcast, would love for you to help me spread the word. As GB Stern said, silent gratitude isn't much use to anyone. If you're an Instagrammer, feel free to screenshot an episode, add it to your stories, and tag me at Therapy for Thinkers. If you are not a social media person, totally okay. Just share it with somebody you care about who you think might enjoy it. All right, that's enough rambling for today. I'll catch you guys next time.